windows. The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Butterbuster, Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Bucks spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my new friend. What's your name, man? You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff, and you still have no talent. It's Sandos in the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Friday, Jay Sandos and Mike Gallagher into the week. Sandos in the sidekick this weekend coming up. A couple of contests on Saturday at Senior Day. ETSU Women's Basketball versus Sanford. Sunday's a man on the road at UNCG. Last night, a couple of games, two different outcomes. ETSU able to run away in the men's contest against VMI. And oh, so close for the women's basketball team. Another third straight heartbreaking defeat. This time in overtime against a undefeated Mercer Bear squad will break down that for you. And finally, we'll wrap up the show with a little bold predictions. I almost nailed my first one. That's been the story of our bold predictions lately. Close but no cigar. And yet again last night for me. Well, let's uh, take a look first. Men's basketball. Uh, We'll recap that. Take a break. Women's basketball. Then we'll do some previews, bold predictions. But I think men's basketball, the story bar none was Bo Hodges. And I think most people will say, well, yeah, he had, you know, 26 points and uh, you know, you start rattling off some of his important stats that he had for the contest. And uh, 12 rebounds, his first double-double, four assists, was finally four or five from the line, 10 or 13 shooting, a couple of threes. But it really came down to the defense. Yeah, pretty much on both sides of the ball. Bo did it all, and Steve Forbes knew that postgame. This is the Bo Hodges that I saw all summer, guys. I mean, fans, I, this is what I saw in June and July until he got hurt. I, I really I, He was shooting it at a high level. Belly athletic, playing hard. I mean, I'm so proud of him, for, you know, happy for him that he's finally healthy. And I think, you know, he's only a sophomore. We're going to see a whole heck of a lot more of this in the next couple, three years. Bo should be considered uh, for defensive player of the year in our league because he can guard one through four. He can guard the other team's best four-man, three-man, two-man, one-man. And he did it tonight. And, uh, you know, you know what? You guys, our fans saw what Bubba Parham did to us last time. He had 25 points. And I thought our guys did a really good job of defending them, uh, for the most part, uh, the entire game. 26 rebounds, 12, pardon me, 26 points, 12 rebounds, and four assists. I'm big in efficiency, you know that. I love when players take a certain amount of shots to get to a certain amount of points. If you're at that one-to-one ratio, you're just not being efficient, not making the most of your opportunities. Bo doubles up his number of shots with the number of points that he scored. 10 of 13 from the field, 2 of 3 from outside, 4 of 5 from the line. Also a steal and a block just to add some flair to what was already a packed score sheet and Bubba Parham, 0 of 12. I mean, could there have been a more stark contrast from game one to game two? He's the best scorer in this league statistically. Granted, they don't have a ton else, although Miles Lewis last night was very good, 27 points. Uh, Sarji Patel had 12, so there were a couple others that showed up, but Bubba did not, and you were there seeing all of the on-ball defending that Bo Hodges put on Bubba Parham. Sounded like a very impressive performance. Well, and again, I, I thought it was a great breakdown by me. Let Bubba Parham get his stuff. Everybody else worked out <laughs> great last right. night. I mean, yes. absolutely, what a game yes. plan I put together for the squad. But yeah. um, his only other time in his career he didn't have a field goal was early his freshman year, and he was 0 for 5. Right. But he had two free throws. So he's matched the career low with two points, but – I mean, you're 0 for 12. And in the second half, you could really see. The first half, I thought Parham did a great job of not seeming to let it affect him. Sounded like he started to force it in the second half. The second half, absolutely. He started to hunt. Uh, You know, it turned into self. It did. It really turned into selfishness. And instead of worrying about how the team's going, taking bad shots, I've got to get my scoring, what's going on. I want to lead the league in scoring. I'm not going to be able to do that. And I I don't know what a zero or a two-point. Uh, you know, will do if that drops him a full 
point off the list or what that'll do. They'll be updated a little later today. But uh, just curious to see um, what what that does for Bubba Parham. But really, the length of Bo Hodges and his athleticism just really got to Bubba Parham the entire way. Now, Lewis has been phenomenal. He's now got 30 – no, he's got um, – 17 in the first matchup, 27x, so 44 points in the two games this year. Yeah. He's averaging 22. That's a career-high 27 points for him, 9 of 11 for line. That's also career-high. He was 9 of 18, and he had a couple late when the game was really over with. Right. Right in front of the rim, and he missed, or he would have had 30 or more in the contest. So I, I thought he would did an outstanding job. Bucks haven't quite figured Lewis out. He's a little bit of an odd matchup. But the bench play for ETSU, it started with Bo Hodges and really ends with him offensive and defensively. But the the bench play, and I thought Lucas uh, Gasson early on kind of set the tone. And then Trey Boyd got some shots to go first half. But in the mid-second half, it was all really Davian Williamson, Trey Boyd, and Bo Hodges. And those guys, you know, you already mentioned the 26 for Hodges. But 20 points for Williamson. 18 for Trey Boyd, and I thought, uh, you know, first time Trey had scored that many points since January 5th, uh, and so I think it was good to maybe get him going. And I think maybe the, the um, assist game that he had against Mercer helped him out because I don't know if you could hear it in the crowd, Mike, but there was a play right in front of me mm. where Williamson got the ball, and Trey Boyd is just yelling verbally, just he can't guard you, take him to the rack, take him right. to the rim. And then he did it, and then he screamed something like, "Don't! Why, why'd you do him that way?" Or you know, <laughs> kind of talking trash to the guy after it went in. And he was fist pumping, you know, Williamson and encouraging him to do things. And again, it shows I think how unselfish this basketball team really is. I think I'll pull out a theme of your broadcast over the last three or four weeks. It seems like at least once a game, it becomes very apparent to you, and perhaps very apparent to ETSU players, coaches, Bo Hodges himself, that. When Bo Hodges wants to take over a game, and when he's got a certain type of player across from him, whether that be because he is such a matchup problem, whether that be someone a bit bigger but a bit slower, or someone that they've tried, maybe they put a two or a three on him, he's just bigger and stronger then, that when he wants to game wreck, he can game wreck. And last night he game wrecked on both sides of the ball. But you're right, it wasn't just him. Davian Williamson had 24 assists, three rebounds, Trey Boyd. 18 points, but then you look inside, you know, because those are all quote-unquote guards. I mean, Bo Hodges, and you heard Steve Forbes last night, if you listen to the broadcast, say he deserves Defensive Player of the Year and just now said because he can guard the 1, 2, 3, or 4, and he called that performance by Bo Hodges the best offensive-slash-defensive performance. So those two sides of the ball in the same night that he has seen since he took over here at ETSU. But you talk about guards and swingmen having the big games, and then you look at points in the paint, and it was 54 to... 26 in favor of ETSU and the best guards I think and you've seen maybe at the NBA level a guy like a Tony Parker who led the league so many years in points in the paint you're like wait a second he's like 6'2 6'3 a point guard known more for obviously point guards living outside the paint and uh, not necessarily you know getting in and mixing it up with the trees but he was so good at getting to the basket little floaters crafty layups knowing how to move around the rim and ETSU, while it wasn't really their bigs on the scoreboard that did it, I mean, Jeremy Rodriguez, six, Milad, number five, Lucas Cousin, yes, four of four from the field and looked very good, nine points and four rebounds. But that's only 20 combined points. It really, it was a lot of Bow Hodges, a lot of the guards getting to the rim, and ETSU showed, I think, all over the floor, certainly on the offensive side, how they can dominate. It was the, uh, I think it was the fourth time, or no, sixth time in, in Steve Forbes' Uh, which is kind of impressive that they've gone a half shooting over 70%. They were uh, cry like um, I know it was 71, mm-hmm. I think it was, yeah. in, in the second half. Uh, 74, sorry. Uh, and so uh, I think the other thing about that was they were 15 of 17 from two. Wow. And, and again, you mentioned it, but they were getting to the paint. 54 points in the paint. The first meeting was 60 points in the paint. Right. So in the two meetings, I'm not, you know, I'm not good at math, but 114 points. In the paint, I mean, right in front of the rim where they've got the size advantage, and they were able to, to take advantage of that. I thought VMI did a great job in the first half keeping ETSU off balance. The Bucks were able really to end the first half on a 9-2 run, and then it was extended to a 24-3. to So the last two minutes of the first half into about the first five and a half minutes of the second half, a 24-3 run, it really – separated the two teams and and vmi made a little bit of a and it kind of had that uh-oh feeling about nine minutes to go because vmi you know down 12 similar to what they were in freedom hall and got it to i think it's nine or eight somewhere in there 
and then ETSU hit a couple shots and just stretched it right back out. So I like to see that sign of a winning basketball team. And even when ETSU didn't have the advantage at the rim in terms of size, wh- whether it's guards going into the paint or whatever the case may have been, where they're maybe giving away some inches, you look at the biggest players for VMI, Tyler Creamer plays a little bit more than some of the rest but still doesn't play a ton. Uh, Jake Stevens has been playing more but but still not one of their main players. Those are their two biggest bodies that play a lot, 6'10 and 6'8. And then you look at the rest, and it's Tragen Fall. He barely plays at all. Uh, Will Miller, a guy that uh, you called his name a couple of times but didn't play a ton last night either and really isn't someone that is going to be in the game more than 10 or 15 minutes. So a lot of their biggest players, and we're talking – 6'10 for Tyler Creamer and everyone else is 6'8 or smaller. They just don't have the size. And certainly they don't have the size and skill mix where you have uh, Jerome Rodriguez here or Miladin Armas on ETSU's side. I-, I think the Bucks really could have skinned that cat last night a number of different ways. Uh, it happened to be Bo Hodges' night, and that was the thing you brought up brought up post-game. Kevin Brown was giving you gruff last week because you said, I think it was yeah. eight different players that led well, the scoring. It, now it is because Bo yeah, Hodges. And, and my mistake was because I swore up and down that he had to go prove it to me that Bo Hodges wasn't a leading scorer in the game. I remembered that, too, <coughs> and so I don't know where my head was at either. Yeah, and, and we went back, and, and sure enough, uh, he had not been. He had had big games, you know, right. 18, 19 points, but had not – been the leading scorer, and I just could have swore in my mind I had him down as a leading scorer. And, and even I was thinking the Wofford game where, where you had 15 and the Bucks, uh, you know, just kind of slugfest down in Spartanburg. I thought that was maybe the one, but it wasn't. So I looked it up, and, and so I had convinced myself it was eight, and all it is is it meant it was eight now. And now seven different guys with 20 point, uh, 20 plus point games. And what is a five? Six different guys. Six guys with 50, 50 assists. assists. And Miladin Armas oh could goodness. get there. He's at 40 with a couple of I mean, there, there's some stats there. The, the, a team will share the wealth. Now, again, maybe the one knock, and we talked about, it, well, who's going to be the guy to take over the game? Maybe now is it Bo Hodges ready to do so? He has shown some signs of that. You know, we'll, we'll see in a situation. I think Bo and Davian are the two guys that can really get to the rim. They're the best driver. Trey Boyd, right behind him, I guess. But I would give Hodges and Williamson the advantage getting to the rim. Boyd maybe the third guy. Everybody else has either got to have a pass to them or they've got to catch and shoot or, or something else or a side dribble for, for Patrick Good maybe to get a, a little bit of space for him to get a shot off. But I think they have to have that, especially going into Sunday's matchup. And that tilt almost got a little more – uh, in, uh, interesting because of uh, Western Carolina last night, given an opportunity. But I know head coach Steve Forbes is looking forward to that contest. We got two games left, and we got a chance to get back up in the standings. Where that happens, I don't know. I mean, it depends on some other things. But we just got to worry about us and take care of business, and we're in the right frame of mind. I like the fact that we're not playing it on Saturday, to be honest. I like going home from here. I like having practice. I like sleeping in our bed tonight and tomorrow night and having practice at our place Friday, Saturday, and then going over and playing on Sunday. I, I like that. And uh, we'll have a veteran officiating crew because it's a Sunday. And it kind of plays into what I've always said about playing on Sunday. we got a, we got three high-major officials. And so uh, it'll be a great game. Uh, they're good. They're really good. And uh, we're going to be ready to go. And Just one more point on Bo Hodges before we get to that. 22 of 30 in his last three games from the field, so that's incredibly impressive. Can you explain to people, and you heard Coach Forbes talk about it there in the middle of that soundbite, the refereeing circuit, how that works, why Sunday you get a more veteran crew, just for people that may not know. I think you and me are both familiar, obviously Coach Forbes is as well. But when he talks about that, I think some maybe are under the misconception that certain conferences have certain officials just because you hear a lot of the same names a lot of the time, such as the Carl Hesses of the world, but that's really not the case. Yeah, and, and so basically the officials are independent contractors, and so they sign agreements with leagues. And so they get whatever, and then, you know, it's think about it. If it's a Saturday and you, you're in the SEC and you're in the SOCON and you're in the ACC and you're in that and it's near your house and the paycheck's a little bigger, which, which place do you go? And that's sort of how it goes. So on Thursday and Saturday, which are big college basketball nights, you, you know, they go down the list and, um, you know, they're in a system called, uh, I think it's Arbitron, and so they're, they're able to put in their dates and this and they book and, you know, the assigner goes in there and says, hey, do you want this game? Do you want this game? And people accept it, this, that, and that. That being said, when you get to a day where there's not a lot of action, like Sunday, 
guys that are on the Southern Conference list that just would have worked an SEC or an ACC contest that's in the area, and especially playing in Greensboro, I mean, you could get a couple of guys that either worked at Carolina, worked at Duke, worked at NC State, worked at Wake Forest, worked at Virginia Tech, have worked at Virginia. Have in their head. At, yeah, yeah, you could have had anything. Right. So there's just a bigger pool to get from. And so already, you know, we have access to the list too, which is another thing. So that's not allowed to be released. I think the day of the game or a few hours before tip. So I'm not allowed to say, but there are three officials in that game that will be working SEC and ACC games before that mm. that have done ETSU games, but they don't do a lot of ETSU games. And you generally see them more maybe in a Southern Conference tournament than you see them in the regular season. You may see them once. Uh, for an example, I know for sure one guy uh, we've only seen once this year. The other two we haven't seen this year. But in the same token, a couple of years ago, ETSU had one of the other officials in Greensboro in a, in a last game of the year where a conference championship was on the line a couple of years ago, and, and Greensboro ended up sneaking a win against ETSU right before it went to the tournament, and the Bucks got revenge with T.J. Cromer in the championship game. Right. It was the last game of the year. so uh, And that was on a Monday, which was a day that doesn't have a lot of action. So we've seen those before. So that's sort of how that works. Uh, and so uh, my guess is it'll be similarly called to the Wofford game mm-hmm. and how Wofford UNCG is because higher fishers just call it uh, – I don't want to say – it's hard to say because if you say you call it tighter, you expect more fouls. But they call it tighter what the rules are. They're not. They're more apt to let players decide the games uh, as opposed to uh, them determining the game one way or another. So we'll be curious to see if both teams will be able to adjust to what I think will be a physical game. So just quite simply, no exclusivity with certain leagues. Guys have three or four league contracts. And so on Sunday, there's just not as many as you've seen. And this is the argument also behind moving to Friday, Sunday, or Wednesday, Saturday, maybe less so. But not only in the fact that you will get more attention from national media outlets, but also I think one of the tertiary arguments is you have guys that just know how to call games or calling games at a higher level and have been around the block at a very high level. Yeah, And, you know, if you went to the Friday-Sunday model, you could convince a crew that says, okay, hey, you can do a Southern Conference game that, that if it's a crew that's just, again, I'm just making it up, you're doing a North Carolina North Carolina State game. Sure. And say, look, you could call a UNCG Furman game in Greensboro. You three could literally get in a car, go on over to NCNC State, do that, and then drive on down to Wofford and do Wofford and Chattanooga, you know, on Sunday. And right. then you, you're just in three days, you're going very few miles and they're getting a pretty good <laughs> – Right. Pretty good paycheck, and, and for a lot of guys, they, they live close to that area. So that, that's sort of how that works out. Uh, and guys are, again, independent contractors, so, so there are times that leagues don't sign. And there's also, you know, some scratch lists, like Carl Hess is not going to work a Sanford game this year, you know. But he's going to work Southern Conference games. We've seen him do Southern Conference games. Is he going to do any Southern Conference tournament games? Probably. Is he going to be in the championship game? If I'm a wagering man, which I'm not, I would assume – because he has been for the last two or three seasons in the championship game. My guess is probably going to see him in the championship game again. So it would be interesting to see how, how that goes. In the same token, I'll say this, Mike Gallagher, been around a while, and I've seen some of those high-level guys get Southern Conference games, and sometimes they don't give you their best game because the paycheck hmm. isn't as much and things are there. Now, I hope because the magnitude of the game uh, is such, and I hope that Mike Wood, the assigner, has called these guys and say, look, you know, I know we don't pay as much as what you're making on Saturday. We are going to pay you a decent amount of money now. Is there a way, you know, we, we, this could decide, you know, a, a high, very high seed could decide at large, could decide a lot of things. And so hopefully they get that through those guys' heads and you get a good called game. So, all right, long segment in one. We'll come back. We may even have a long segment, too, because ETSU women's basketball, another heartbreaker against the Mercer Bears. We'll break that down for you after this timeout from San Jose Sidekicks. This is the Buccaneers Sports Network. It's funny how things can multiply, like cold weather. One minute, a few snowflakes fall. The next, you need a snowblower just to find your feet. Or tardiness. Run two minutes late in the morning, and you're a half hour late to work. Come on. But good things come from multiplying, too, like the new Multiplier Instant Games, which give you a chance to multiply your winnings. So go ahead. Enjoy the good kind of multiplying today with the new Multiplier Instant Games, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed bucks tickets to cheer on my team. 
Learn more about Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Make your own one. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Food City is excited for another thrilling basketball season with the ETSU Buccaneers. Even when slicing up the finest cuts of beef, selecting the freshest produce, or preparing the sweetest baked goods, we live and breathe navy and gold. So go get them, Bucks. On your quest for a Southern Conference championship and beyond, Food City is with you every step of the way. Food City, official supermarket of ETSU Athletics. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda... You can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson Honda, Johnson City. and the sidekick back with you. Another exciting Friday for you. A recap from Thursday where I talked to ETSU men's basketball, women's basketball, and it's going to almost sound like a broken record for our third recap, but man, what a heartbreaker. I'm sitting there and, uh, you know, and, and a lot of people don't understand in the broadcast, you know, I'm obviously doing the men's game. I've got, like you would imagine, I've got computers and iPads and everything up and going and keeping up with the women and every once in a while you're, I'm having you chime in my ear to see if you've got an update for me while I'm doing play-by-play and everything going on and trying to will the women's team to a W. It got, went to overtime, and I know ETSU was able, I think, down two or four seconds to go. bad thing is I didn't sit. Now, you, you got to at least try to watch it while you were doing double duty and try to pay somewhat of attention. Yeah. So you probably have a little bit better breakdown of the last few moments than I do. Just I was watching stats, and, again, because we – come in the next morning record i haven't had a chance to go back and watch it on espn i do plan on doing that because uh, i've watched the other two the wofford and the Furman game i want to go back and kind of watch this mercer game for Brittany zell but certainly take us through the 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 last few moments there not just in regulation but also in overtime well etsu goes on an 11 nothing run to take a 69 68 lead with 140 to go as erica haynes overton splits a pair at the line and that's kind of when Shannon Titus started to take over the game for Mercer. But it was by no means over. Just because she was having a great last seven, eight minutes didn't mean that the Bucks didn't have a chance to win that contest. Uh, they had a couple of them. I- I'm not sure if they were necessarily direct chances, like, oh, you had a, a look at the bucket to win from outside with a couple seconds to go. That's not how things ended up going. Shannon Titus made a layup and then another there were 45 seconds left, and Lexus Spears, it was a great pass by Micah Sheets. It's on the inbound right in front of ETSU's bench, and Sheets just lobs one over the top to Lexus Spears from the sideline. I mean, so that's a good 30, 40-foot pass right into her hands. Great play by Spears to catch and finish. It was 72-71. to 71. Rachel Self with 14 seconds left. I was screaming at the TV in here while we were doing our post game. You got a foul, you got a foul, because ETSU committed a foul, and so there were 31 seconds left in the game clock and 30 on the shot clock. And the time starts ticking away, and I'm just, you got a foul, you got a foul. And 
So finally, with 14 seconds left, the Bucks do. Rachel Self makes a pair. Erica Haynes Overton, two seconds later, I thought it was interesting that that foul call came on Shannon Titus. Really gave ETSU, I thought, a better chance in that game because uh, Erica Haynes Overton has shown, and she did again last night, she is clutch at the line. She doesn't miss late, essentially. We've seen that this year. And so she makes both. Linnea Rosendahl that only makes one of her two after the Bucks foul. It's 75-73. So should ETSU have lined up a shot for three to try and win, then they would have had that quote-unquote direct opportunity to get the game in regulation. Uh, instead, I think they did the right thing. They go to Erica Haynes Overton. She's fouled. Makes both again with like 3.8 to go. And we saw it in the Western Carolina game with .5 seconds left on the clock where Erica Haynes Overton had to make two free throws to get the game to what presumably at the time was overtime. Jewel Smalls hit that long three that was wiped away and it did end up being overtime and the Bucks ended up winning. So 75-75. This is where I thought the game probably should have ended in Mercer's favor as a matter of fact because they set up a play, and I don't know if anyone had gotten in Rachel Self's year, who, by the way, was eight of her first eight from the field. The only shot that she missed the entire day was on the baseline with one second left to win and airballed it. I think it was Amanda Thompson that was throwing the inbounds pass in front of her own bench. Remember, you can advance after a timeout into the front court. And so she's in front of her own bench, throws the pass to Self in the corner, and it's a give and go. And if it was Thompson, whoever the passer uh, inbounder was, she cuts to the hoop and she is wide open with like two seconds left. But Self doesn't see her, takes the jump shot instead, air balls that goes 8 of 9 on the day from the field, 18.7 rebounds. And we go to overtime, and that's when the script was pretty much the same for ETSU as it was Saturday. It's now three of the last five in overtime for ETSU, two straight. Now on Saturday against Furman, the Bucks didn't have Erica Haynes Overton because she had fouled out in a phantom fifth foul call against the Paladins. So they had to operate without her, end up scoring only two points, miss a layup at the buzzer uh, from uh, I believe it was Brittany Snowden that would have forced double overtime uh, or maybe I'm thinking back to, to regulation, whatever the case may be. It was 57-55, 4-2 Furman ended up outscoring ETSU in the extra session and this time Mercer outscores the Bucks 8-2 Shannon Titus again, little jumper in the paint Micah Sheets had the only points of overtime for ETSU evening it at 77 and then with 3.14 to go uh, the Bucks didn't score the rest of the way. Shannon Titus, a jump shot, and then it was Titus again with 13 seconds left, and then Titus made the free throws to ice it. 12 of the last 13 points for Titus for Mercer, and the Bucks in that scoreless stretch had a turnover from Raven Deem, turnover from Micah Sheets, missed jump shot from Micah Sheets, missed jump shot from uh, Raven Dean, and then also had uh, Brittany Snowden miss a layup, and then finally at the end, Erica Haynes-Overton got a touch, missed a three, but it was really too late at that point with two seconds to go. So ETSU had some shots in overtime, right? If they could have put the ball in the basket, uh, held on to the ball at least, and gotten some looks at the hoop, I think eight points is by no means too much to overcome in overtime. ETSU scored 18 against Western Carolina three overtimes ago, but just didn't go the Bucks' way, and they find themselves now at five and six in the league and going into Sanford tomorrow, which we'll talk about next segment. It's by no means a must-win. There aren't must-wins at this point because seeding – while it does matter a little bit, it looks like ETSU is going to be either the 4, 5, or 6, and there's not a huge difference since it's a neutral site between those seeds. So, yeah, you're right, a tough one. Uh, a third consecutive game where it's overtime or three points or less, 11 points. These games have been separated by the last three, and you talked about it on a couple shows ago. If it wasn't for the Bucks losing these three straight, and if they would have had a bounce here, bounce there, you know, things go a little bit differently – they'd be looking at a six-game winning streak. And it's just crazy to think that a few seconds can make all the difference in a season. Yeah, well, no doubt, because you're, you're thinking about, three, if, again, you can't do it, but if you flip the three last three games right into three wins and you're sitting there going eight and three, they're, and Furman would have an extra loss, so they would be sitting second place alone. The other crazy thing, right, that would be six wins in a row. Is that right? They won three home games. And then I three, said that like 30 seconds ago, yeah. Yeah, so six wins in a row. Now you're talking about – Three more opportunities, nine wins in a row, get to the tournament. I mean, who would be hotter than that? Because at that point, you would have beaten Mercer. Nobody would have a longer win streak at that point. So uh, it's one of those situations. But to your point, you get over there a neutral site, and anything can happen. And this league, other than Mer and Mercer, again, looked beatable. I mean, they're the best team in the league, but they're not hitting shoulders above everybody. They're making enough plays. They've won a championship last year, so they have a lot of people that return that know how to close out games, know how to do just enough to win. 
but what will they do when they get to the conference tournament in Asheville, neutral site? Who's going to handle what? Um, I think it's going to be a wide-open women's tournament, just like I think the men have legitimate four teams that can win. I think everybody agrees uh, that it's going to come down to four teams. Now, could there be an upset in the quarters? There could, sure. I could see it happening because of different matchups. But for the most part, I think everyone thinks, you know, Wofford, Furman, uh, UNCG, and ETSU are going to be the four teams in the semis, and the champions comes out of that. I mean, I think Mercer could play one of five different teams in the championship game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and depending on seeding where they go. Um, and, you know, I would even, wouldn't even count out Sanford at the sixth seed. I think the only two that probably – are going to struggles UNCG and, and Western Carolina. So if you get a one or a two seed, and, and right now Furman in a catbird seat for the two, you know they may have a little bit easier time in the quarters. But then the semifinal matchups, and, and again, if you're using the standings right now, Mercer is going to get Wofford or ETSU uh, in that semis, and then Furman is either going to get Chad or Sanford. You know, in that, that other semifinal matchup. And I think, again, those could be some toss-up type games because Sanford has lost in overtime at Mercer and ETSU's lost in overtime at home uh, and then led at halftime at Mercer. So, again, I think this could be one of the more wide-open ones. And if you're Mercer, I think you have to be, a, you know, you're feeling good about all these wins, all that, but I think they still have to be a little nervous of what's to come still in Asheville. Just to go back to that Furman game, Carly Litton had her three blocked in regulation that would have won it for ETSU, and then it was Brittany Snowden on that layup in overtime that would have forced double overtime, but the Bucks fell by two. The crazy thing about last night's game, I thought, was, and granted, I was multitasking, you know, there's not a ton you have to do when you produce back in studio for the games that you do for the ETSU men's basketball team, so I, I wasn't seeing every possession, I wasn't completely tuned into the game, but I looked up and I was wondering if Kiki Calloway had played that day. Like, I, was she hurt or what happened? So I very well could have just missed the fact that she was out there, but she didn't seem to me like the big difference maker last night. She had 14 points on 16 shots, 7 assists, so certainly was doing some facilitating as Mercer ended with 20 assists on 37 field goals. But the preseason player of the year, I didn't even think was close to the best player on her team last night. And that was the case as well when – ETSU was at Mercer, where the Bears ended up running away from the Bucks in the fourth quarter and winning by 23. Rachel Self, obviously, we talked about the 18 points and seven rebounds, but Titus with 12 of the last 13 points for Mercer, 27 points, five rebounds, three assists. Players like Shannon Titus just kill ETSU. And I'm going to ask Bruce Trambarger on the breakdown tomorrow before our broadcast about it, and perhaps Brittany Azell, too, when we chat with her pregame. Why is it those players, the lanky, athletic players that can crash the glass and are very aggressive, I'd say, in their offensive style? Um, Shannon Titus is quick. She gets to the hoop, and she has the ability to finish there. A lot of her points will come in the paint. And she had 27 after having 17 and 12, I believe it was, in the first matchup between the two. And really on the offensive glass is where she makes a big difference. But Last night, didn't even have an offensive rebound. It was seven offensive rebounds in the first game, none last night where Rachel Self had five offensive rebounds. ETSU really did a great job on the glass, 47-29. to 29. They were plus 18, and if you would have told me that they were going to be plus 18 it, before the game. No, no, no. That's a great point. If, you, if I read you these two stats only, just these two stats only, and you just said 47-29 to 29 rebounds, 22-9 to 9 offensive rebounds, and 19-24 on the line, and the opposing team went 6-8. You're, you're sitting Game there over. going, how much did we win by? Game over. How much did we win by? There's no – there's not even a, a question of, of the result if you just read that. So it's it's even a little bit more – again, and, and, and normally I, I have enough time and some other things to to watch a little bit so I'm a little bit more well-versed uh, on a Thursday game even if the men play. I haven't been able to watch this. But I'm kind of curious to, to go back and watch and see exactly what happened because the, the – and I know Mercer shot – 50 percent that's the difference is the 10 percent yeah yeah. but i'm still looking at it and going okay you had 13 more points at the stripe you know what is that 13 more offensive possessions uh for a chance to to do something with i mean just the rebounding number just mercer took care of the ball pretty well 10 turnovers compared yeah that's all too well and 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 each issue is very good at points off turnovers i know they they lost that yesterday right if i'm not mistaken and then um, uh, second chance points. They did, did have an event. Yeah, you're yeah. there, and you know points in the paint. Pretty dominant uh, is there. I mean, every everything kind of points to 
should be a win. And so that's, I mean, I think the women's basketball team is is literally right there on the cusp of of figuring this thing out. Now, the truth is, it doesn't matter when you figure it out, except uh, for Asheville, right? The tournament. That's you, it. you can figure it out now. It doesn't matter. But if you figure it out in Asheville, in the tournament, chance to, to, to go to the big dance, not, nobody remembers anything else but how good you played you know, down the stretch of those three days. And, I mean, everybody will take a championship, right? Yeah, no question. And ETSU, I think you're right, is just right on the precipice of playing that championship-level ball. They just haven't been able to finish a game. It's just so frustrating because you can see the pieces there. Putting them together has been the hard part. Well, and we'll have a chance Saturday, which we're going to talk about yes. right after this break. It's senior day for women's basketball Saturday. Men's team on the road. UNCG will preview both those games right after this time. Out your word from San Jose Sidekicks. Here's the Buccaneers Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated health care system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 16 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Wendy's has three new hamburgers on the new Made to Crave menu. The barbecue cheeseburger, the salsa and bacon cheeseburger, and the peppercorn mushroom melt. They've got so much swagger, they'll change the way you think about hamburgers and the way you ride through our drive-thru. Maybe you'll lean your seat back a little. Maybe a lot. Maybe you'll roll your windows down. Or maybe your window's broken because you punched through it to get your hamburger faster. Try the three new hamburgers on Wendy's new Made to Crave menu and download the Wendy's app for craveable deals today. At Wendy's, we got you. At participating Wendy's. Mulliken Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulliken's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulliken Flooring. General Shale is proud to support ETSU basketball and Southern Conference fans everywhere. Want to make the most of game day? Now you can design your dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you design custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from up to 10 building types designed with over 50 of our most popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with your friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks. But we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, renewed promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. Sanderson, the sidekick, back with you. Segment three, we're going to take a look at the games coming up this weekend, and we'll go in chronological order. It will be Tissue Women's Basketball. Senior day against the Sanford Bulldogs, and I, I just have to imagine. I know Brittany's ill, like most coaches will give you that. It's next game on schedule, but I have to imagine after what happened to them in Birmingham that Mike Yager, they've got to be excited to see this team back and ready to maybe pounce and get back in the win column. Well, the game that Sanford played was so outside of their ability, and I hate to denigrate them at all in that way, but but you look at the stats. I mean, I'm not saying anything that would be surprising to anyone around the league or anyone that's been observing ETSU women's basketball and the rest of the Southern Conference this year, the 18 league that the Bucks are in. 
79 points, and you look at their point production the rest of the year, and they've only cleared 74 other times and only scored more than 79 once, and that was an overtime against Denver back on the 19th of December, which is still probably uh, their best win, that 87-83 win at Denver uh, in front of about 1,800. So, um, they played out of their minds, quite honestly. There's not a single player on Stanford that's averaging in double figures. You know, it's Natalie Armstrong, it's Tanisha Hill, it's Paige Syrup, and they're the only ones averaging above seven points per game. They're getting killed on the glass. They're minus seven. I mean, there's so many categories for Stanford where they are last, second to last in the league, not only in league play, but just overall. The team doesn't score the ball well, 59 points per game. They stay in games with defense, and we've seen that ETSU on the road scores 58 points per game, right? That's what they've been at the whole year, and they scored exactly 58 against Sanford. And so it was frustrating that day to walk out of the gym in Birmingham, kind of scratching her head. Like, you just you, you didn't know what happened because that was so unexpected, that type of game. I think you maybe would have seen, and you'll hear in bold predictions from me, I do expect this with ETSU at home tomorrow. You would have seen things go maybe the opposite way before you'd see Sanford put that kind of hurting on ETSU at their home arena, the Pete Hanna Center, uh, in front of like two or 300 people. But Sanford got out early. They were up by 11, and ETSU just never really recovered. I don't want to say they sleepwalked through the game, but I think that they were a little taken aback as well by just what Sanford was able to do because they just don't score the ball like they did. I mean, they shot 56%, and that's a ridiculous number for a team that scores 59 points per game. They were 9 to 21 from outside, and Brittany Azell after just said, look, sometimes you are beaten. You know, sometimes the other team just has a better yeah, day. Tip your cap, right? And, and, and absolutely they did. So without a doubt, uh, impressive performance by uh, Sanford that day, but I would not expect that again. ETSU was plus seven on the glass that day, and there were some other stats that did go their way. None of them really mattered just because Sanford shot the ball so well, but tomorrow is not going to be that because Sanford, unless for some reason they love seeing the blue and gold across from them, can't physically put up that type of performance again. No, I don't believe they will, and I think ETSU, again, is going to it's something to prove. I think they obviously didn't like the way that uh, Sanford had that offensive explosion uh, really on them. And uh, ETSU has been – you know, at home they're just different. They score much better. And they didn't really shoot the ball that bad. No. And you look at some of the stats, it was really just uh, – they got outplayed. Uh, I think it's just the easiest way to do it. And there wasn't many misses because, you know, Sanford just plays that Princeton style, running down. I think ETSU – can force turnovers in this one. I think they'll because they're at home. I think they'll be able to get up and down the floor. You know, I don't think uh, I think they'll be better prepared the second time you see that system. You know, generally Sanford struggles more second time around the league than they do the first time. And there's not a whole lot of wrinkles if you can get uh, the one issue I would say is VTSU got in foul trouble, which can't happen working against that system. I could see where you had maybe some different combinations of players on the floor and then miscommunication on back screens and everything else, and then you give up a lot of layups. I, that, I could see that being an issue. But other than that, I really feel like the women's team is going to come out ready to go. I think the inside game is going to be there for them. I think Spears and Snowden the last two, three, four games have been outstanding. I think they'll continue to do that as well. I think Haynes Overton is starting to figure out how to score uh, you know, the three-point shot has kind of been fallen by the wayside as the year has gone on, but she's able to get to line. She's always been a very talented driver. I think she'll find ways. But to me, I think the inside play on offense and then the defensively creating pressures, not giving up easy buckets and creating enough turnovers and getting out and running in the open floor because I feel like if ETSU gets to 70 in that game, that that'll be enough in Brooks' gym that Sanford, I don't think, is going to be able to put 70-75 on the board. Yeah, Brittany Snowden's on back-to-back double-doubles, and then two of the last three, Lexus Spears has had 17 points. You remember the 17 in six minutes, still the box score of the year, I think, in my opinion, 17 points in six minutes against Wofford. And then last night, we didn't even talk about her really in the recap, simply because she wasn't very active late was Lexus Spears, ended up playing 19 minutes, 17 points. This should tell you how much ETSU wants to win. Lexis Spears, when she checked out of the game last night, one of the many times, they kind of cycle her in three or four minutes at a time, went straight to the trash can and threw up, Mm -hmm. vomited, because she had run herself so hard from end of floor to end of floor trying to defend and score and getting the touch that she does. And she gets beat up out there. I mean, she is someone that defense is kind of key on with double teams. And even last night, it was incredible. 
triple teams. I mean, three bodies around her down in the paint. They see the lob pass go into Mercer, and they surrounded her with two and three bodies at times. So she takes a beating out on the court, and she has an incredibly difficult job as being, once she is on the floor, a known commodity, not only to the Bucks but two teams across from them where they say, okay, we know that this ball, when she's out there, the first option is Lexus Spears. So we're going to rush all of our defensive pressure and, and make sure that all of the people that we feel like we can leave other players open, we're going to put those defenders on Lexus Spears right when the pass goes up. So goes off the courts and vomits. I, I don't think there's anything you need to know about ETSU aside from that and the fact that they have fought back from many deficits throughout the year to be right in games, to know that this team has not given up and still wants to win or not demoralized. The only thing that I think could change the game tomorrow, and I'm going to be very adamant in bold predictions that the Bucks will win that game uh, by a hefty margin, is if for whatever reason they don't have the short conscience that you need in this game, right? And head coach Steve Forbes talked about last night in the postgame audio, you can never get too high, you can never get too low, you can never get caught up in what you've done, haven't done, what could have been. You have to just, especially when you're playing Thursday, Saturday, like ETSU women's basketball is this week, you have to move on. And hopefully ETSU takes the positives out of their performance against Mercer rather than the negative of overtime because it was a great performance. They just can't get in their heads and can't worry about not being the one to knock off what is now that 28-game winning streak in conference play by Mercer. Yeah, well, here's the thing. I think the women's team has a great opportunity, and I I thought they had one against Mercer to end the season winning out. You know, beat Mercer, beat Sanford, go on the road, beat uh, two teams that have been the bottom and going to be the 7-8 seed, which is UNCG and uh, Western Carolina. I thought it was a great opportunity. I still think they can end the season – hot winning three now i thought they could win four that's that's gone it's uh, it's off the table but i think they can win three and then get in the conference tournament and then see what happens from there you know and if they can win just enough and depending on how things fall it's still not out of the realm of possibility that they could end up as a three seed yeah uh just a couple games behind chattanooga chattanooga's got mercer saturday so we'll see how that goes amongst uh, some other things but more than likely they're going to be in that four five if things go south, it may be a six seed. But for the most part, that's uh, kind of locked in on where they're going to be as far as the seeding goes. But I think they've got to get things. They've got to figure out how to win those. You know, they've won a few at home. I know they didn't win the last one, but they've, they've won pretty well at home on, on those tight games. I think if they could go ahead and just beat Sanford and just not, not even make it tight and then go on the road and get those two. And, again, who knows? Asheville, there are some ladies on the team that remember winning a couple of games there, getting to the championship game versus Mercer last year. Hope that that carries them. And and speaking of momentum and carries them, if we transition quickly to men's basketball, both teams need, I think, a win. UNCG had had that rough week, uh, you know, against Furman and Wofford just like ETSU did, including a beatdown like ETSU ended up uh, taking against Furman. They're just having to go against Wofford uh, two days later. Sunday, I know uh, UNCG able to hold on for dear life last night against Western Carolina in overtime. They've had ETSU's number uh, as of late, I think, four or five now. Uh, UNCG's beaten ETSU. The only other one being the championship game, is that right? That's exactly correct. So uh, ETSU definitely needs to, to turn the corner um, on that uh, and, and then trying to see what they can figure out. I think it's going to come down to shooting. The three, they had clean looks against the press. They want to get them out of the press. The easiest way to do that is if they get a cross-court pass, skip pass, or throw it over the top, and they get somebody on the wing, they've got to knock those shots down. They've got to hit some three-point shots. If they get a couple to go, then they get some big guys running at them, then they can ball fake and just go to the rim. That's what they did in the championship game. T.J. Cromer hit a couple of threes, and all of a sudden the big guys had to run out at them. All of a sudden, Cromer's head faking, and then he's taking the big guys to the rim. He's getting layups, and and really late first half, UNCG couldn't press anymore. You know, they had just given up too many points. So to get them out of it, you've got to do something like that. But they'll stay in it and try to make make you make a play there. So it's going to be very important for ETSU to hit open jump shots, which they will have clean looks. And again, the way that press is, they either speed you up or make you use a lot of clock. But when they get an opportunity. They've got to knock those shots down. And free throw shooting was, I think, the other uh, bugaboo in that game, if you remember, Mike. I think they were 9 of 18 uh, in that contest. Uh, 
uh, it went to line, uh, you know, I think 10 or 11 more times than UNCG, but just struggled. And it went 7 of 22 from three. Patrick Good was 0 of 5. Williamson was 1 of 5. Uh, now, Trey Boyd did catch fire, if you remember, second half. He was 5 of 7. Uh, but uh, Tucker, Tisdale, 0 of 1, 0 of 1. Uh, you know, besides Boyd, he was the only multi-three-point guy. They're going to have to hit 10, 12, 13 threes, I think, to win this game. Let me ask you this. Do you think that it's possible that UNCG is shaken at all by those back-to-back losses? And did we see any of that manifest itself last night? Of course, Francis Alonzo, if you weren't on Twitter, weren't watching on ESPN, uh, didn't have the chance to see that UNCG-Western Carolina game. I think there were many that were shocked that it was close at all, especially in the fact that it was at Greensboro. Uh, but Francis Alonzo really bailed out, I thought, the Spartans late by just great individual playmaking as he as he often does have. He's one of the best players in this league. I think you could put him – he's not on par with Fletcher McGee, I don't think, in the fact that he does one thing incredibly well, but he does a lot of things incredibly good, <laughs> if that if that makes sense. So – do you think that they're shaken at all by those back-to-back results? And last night, that's what we saw. Because I'm having a little bit of a hard time explaining how that game would have gone the way it did if that's not the case. Yeah, I, I, could, I could see that. Another thing is, you know, again, it's hard not to look ahead to Sunday. You know, you could sit there and, and say, you know, these kids don't. It's the one game, you know, we're just we're shopping one at a time. We have – and the coaches, you know, and I asked Coach Ford the same question. And he said, well, you know, we even talked about them. I've never heard the guys talk about them. But you don't tell me both teams aren't looking forward to, to that contest and, and getting it to go the way that that's played. The rivalry sort of is gone. And UNCG, for them, it's, you know, hey, if we win this, we got a chance to lock up a two seed and get things going. And I think uh, a little bit of a hangover, but I think we saw that with ETSU versus the Citadel, didn't we? You know, you, you could use that argument that the next game after Furman Wofford was Citadel, ETSU really struggled there, didn't look particularly great, gave up a lot of shots, and then turned around Mercer and were lights out. What right. you're hoping is that's not the case this time. Right. I think it's a valid point that, that you know, what, you know, and again, there's been a lot made up because, or made up, not made up, but made of the fact that Alonzo and, and uh, Wes Miller were going at it on the sideline there late in the Wofford game. To me, that's just two competitors, right? It's just a, the the best player on the team and a coach just probably taking each other to task on, on something. So I don't really put anything into that. For a four-year player like Alonzo, I can't imagine him down the stretch of his senior season just checking out at some point, right? No. And, and he certainly proved no. it by hitting literally every three that was important down the stretch in regulation and in overtime to seal that deal. Here's what should make all ETSU fans even more frustrated about their result last night for UNCG. Want to hear Angelo Allegri's line? Uh, that even has <laughs> zero a for zero. I'll stop it. Four fouls. Okay, now and a turnover. In a so he did not hit one, right? He did not hit one. <laughs> he didn't take a shot. Okay, I'll say this. You um, want to go back to the game against ETSU? No, you want to run through that salad? No, 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 okay. no. I'll, I'll, I will do you one better. Oh boy. Okay. I'm pretty sure he has only hit 12 threes all season in games not involving ETSU. He hit the five against the Bucks. I think he's only hit 12 in, what's that, 20, yeah, you're right. 26 games? And what's he shooting from beyond the arc? 34%. 17 of 50. Well, did they play 27? Is that right? Uh, that is 28. So 27 games, he's yeah. hit 12 threes. Yeah. 27 games, hit 12 threes. I'm not real good, but that's, uh, that's that's less than half a game, right? I don't know. Something like that. Well, 12 plus 12 24. True. So there we go. Less than half a three a oh, game yeah. he's averaging. Yeah. Less than half a three. Yep. He hit five against ETSU. Five. Is he, that line that day? Is he, is he going to be able to hit that again? 16 I'm going to say no. 16 minutes, five of eight from the four, five to six from outside, 15 points, and, uh, and no fouls. So starkly different, contrastly different uh, from the ETSU game. But as long as he's not doing ridiculous things, and, and there's – I'm not going to say that it's just completely outlandish that someone for either of these teams, ETSU or UNCG, steps up that you wouldn't expect, especially in ETSU's case, because anybody really can step up, right? Uh, but I don't think, I don't think that someone is going to go out of their mind like Angelo Allegri did. And if they do, I hope it's like Carlos Curtis pressed into action or DeAndre Bernard pressed into action or Miles Rasnick has to come in and play like 15 minutes. You know, just some outlandish scenario where some buck, there's some justice in this world, right? Some buck comes in that is averaging 1.7 points per game and boom, 
they crush UNCG because on the road, ETSU, I, I think that this is going to be a really good game either way. But if they are going to have a result that is not extremely close coming down to the buzzer last minute, it'll probably take, I'd say, a, an effort from someone outside of the Trey Boyd, Patrick Good, Jeremy Rodriguez, Milad Narmus, uh, the usual suspects for the Bucks, the Mo Hodges. So uh, if they do get that, uh, let's hope that it's in the blue and gold because that would make this conference race for seeding a lot tighter. And I think put ETSU fans, the team, coaches, ourselves in a very good mind state going towards Asheville. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think great chance to prove a point that ETSU is ready. And, and, again, you're talking about if UNCG loses that, they've lost three of four. They didn't have a good showing against West Carolina. Then they got to go on a road to the Citadel and Mercer, which they always struggle. I mean, you're talking about UNCG could really, similar, I guess, how ETSU kind of limped to the finish line last year. UNCG could have that finish. and. Not to say there's still some things Furman could throw a monkey wrench in the standings because, you know, the day before tomorrow, Saturday, 7 o'clock, uh, I think it's 7 o'clock, maybe it's 4 o'clock, but they've got Wofford, you know, in Timmins Arena where they're trying to pick up their biggest win against a rivalry, and then who knows how that affects the standings as well. Here's a great transition for you as we throw it to bold predictions. One of my bold predictions is really on the line Sunday in Greensboro because if you remember that the long-term basketball predictions that we did, I said UNCG would not finish in the top two. Well, there's a chance that they may not if ETSU goes in there one Sunday. Yeah, there you go. That is a good call. We'll step aside for a timeout. Bold predictions. Mike mentioned it. We'll give it to you. Our very bad predictions of the weekend coming up after this timeout from Santos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. Or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since 1980. Our hickory smoked barbecues, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game. The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. How many places do you ever go without your smartphone? My name is Wesley Fletcher with the First Bank and Trust Company. Now you can pay securely for your purchases with your smartphone too. Just add your check card to the wallet app on your phone to pay for all your purchases. So keep on moving, keep on traveling, and keep on shopping with the First Bank and Trust Company and Apple Pay and O, providing mobile solutions when you need them most. Your bank for life. Firstbank.com, member FDIC. Look, if you're like me, you got a lot to remember. Like, remember to pick up some refreshingly cold lemon-lime Mountain Dew ice. Sounds good, doesn't it? Well, here's my trick. If it's a nice day, I think nice rhymes with ice. And that reminds me, I better get some Mountain Dew ice. Or if someone asks me for the time, I think time rhymes with lime, like in lemon-lime. If I work at it, anything can remind me to get to the store and get myself some Mountain Dew ice. Mountain Dew ice. Remember to get some. Welcome back to Smooth 92.2. I'm Dr. Love, and I want to hear the secret to your romantic success. We've got Brian on the line. Bright guy, what'd you do? Well, I wanted to spice things up, so I surprised my wife with instant games from the Tennessee Lottery. Oh, and did those work, Brian? You know they did, Dr. Love. It doesn't take a relationship expert to know you can't go wrong with February instant games. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. There is no way LeBron James leaves Cleveland again. I agree with Jarvis Landry. I think the Browns are a Super Bowl contender this year. How in the world can you not see that Big Baller Brand is far superior to making the NBA than Puma? Now, rumors fly a lot. Jason Witten is not going to Monday Night Football. I mean, the Mike Ayers rumor that he's leaving, no way. I bet he's there until 2025. 
Terrell Owens has made a career off jawing, running his mouth. Will he be in Chattanooga for his Hall of Fame induction? No chance. He'll be in Canada. Bold predictions. It was really ancient, wasn't it? I think the Browns were a Super Bowl contender at one point. Well, they won a lot more games than the year before, at I guess Maybe not we, have different de- <laughs> we have different definitions. Of I try to look at the bright side, I guess. I yeah, there you go. No, I'm fine with the bright side. but uh, Well, unfortunately for me, uh, speaking of bright side, I don't have the book with me, but I believe it's 15 to 12. Uh, you're batting like exactly 200. I think you're at 11 and fi- nah, of we're 55. Not where I want to be. 200. And I'm uh, 15 of 55, I think something along those lines. Or it's 59 now or, or something. We're, we're right around. You're right around 200. I'm right around like 260, 270. Uh, I'll get the exact numbers for Monday. But I've already had one bold prediction go awry, although I feel it's a moral victory on the bold prediction that ETSU women's basketball would break the 27-game conference winning streak of Mercer that is now 28 games last night at Brooks Gym. To me, that doesn't feel like an L. Unfortunately, it has to count as an L in the state. If we did moral victory bold predictions, I think I would have a massive, just incredibly huge lead over you. Because I feel pretty good about all of my bold predictions, even though a lot of them don't come true. Moral victory bold predictions. Oh, okay. Yeah. So just like because that. you feel better about them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your feeling about your bold predictions, if, if, if you go off feeling, yeah, I think that uh, we'd both be in pretty good shape. But I certainly am uh, very optimistic about sure. all my bold predictions. But over sure. one so far, I'm going to give a women's bold prediction anyway. I'll let you go first, though, since I've already hogged the bold predictions by making one yesterday. Uh, I'm going to go on the men's basketball. You're gonna go men's, okay? I am to start with. Uh, okay. uh, the the um, they need double digit made threes, and they there's only there's been very few and far between this season, double digit made threes. But I think if they're going to win, they've got to hit some threes and hit some threes early to get uh, UNCG out of the press. So I'm gonna go double digit three-pointers made. Carlos Curtis, 20-plus point. No, I'm kidding. I, I would really love that if there was a ninth different leading scorer. Well, hopefully he's over the fluke because he didn't make the trip to be uh, alive. So it's going to be tough for... He's going to rally, okay? There you go, rally. rally. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I'm going to say ETSU, um, boy, I think that they need to own the glass and own that matchup inside with, with James Dickey and Kyron Galloway. And I'm going to say that they will. And either... Jerome Rodriguez or Milad Narmus will have 15-plus rebounds. And I'm going to build off your women's basketball okay. one. Uh, where you're doing the the 21 win. I don't know if you're going to do it. You want to do my bold prediction? Are, 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 yes, are you done? Are you done? Are you done? Stanford and ETSU. Stanford beats ETSU by 21 on the road earlier this year. The ETSU women will completely flip the script. 21 points or more and, they and win I'll, by. I'll, I'll, I'm going to double down. You're going to say 42. No, no, 42. no. I'm going to double down in the fact that I think that Sanford will be held under 60. Okay. Is that bold considering they're averaging 59 per game? I don't know if that's bold. I mean, I'm just going off what they did last time. <laughs> Their best game of the year. I mean, come on. How about under 50? Yeah, now we're talking bold. Now we're talking bold. All right, under 50. Yeah. Sold me. Love that. Sold all me. Under 50. I'll, I'll go, with it. I'll poke, go with it. Under poke 50. the bear a little bit, and then he'll uh, make a terrible bowl prediction. Under right, I think it's very possible. I think last year here they scored like – I may be completely making this up, but I thought they scored like 42 last year here. I'm going to go look at that while you figure out your professional and or college basketball bold prediction. Uh, 52 last year here by Sanford, and they scored 48. Oh, no, excuse me, it was 48, and then on the road they scored 52 at their place as ETSU went to Stanford. So they scored 100 combined points last year. So I don't know if 50 is a bold prediction considering they averaged 50 last year. I think about 40. No, I'm kidding. Okay, go ahead. Are you done? Yeah, is it, yeah, is, is it my turn? Yeah. You realize <laughs> I don't. Sorry. So uh, normally, right, we pick – are we supposed to – supposed to pick something else? Uh, that's I what – I was trying to buy you some time. Yeah, I know. It didn't good. help. Do you have yours? Yeah, I'm gonna go the. Right. I'm gonna go. Furman wins by double digits against Wofford and ends oh, yeah, that's it. their yeah. undefeated league season. That's a good on one. Saturday at Timmins Arena in Greenville, South Carolina. Oh boy, that's a good one. Double digits. Yeah, I don't that's even possible. Know. That's gonna be. I think Furman's hot right now. I no, there's no doubt. And they, you know, they 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 got four straight games at home. So in the first three, you know, they they've won and won fairly handily. They've settled in comfortably. So. Um, I don't even think Mercer over Chat's really an upset. Because Thanks, hey. second. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm gonna. Uh, <laughs> Come on, go I'm on. gonna go back to Old Faithful. Notre Dame beats Virginia Tech. <laughs> Notre Dame over Virginia Tech. 
I'm are not you, on the hokey bandwagon. Are you supposed to hate Notre Dame as a Michigan fan? I don't know, but okay. I'm just. You're just pulling stuff out of your ear. Okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, I picked against Virginia Tech and they've been good to me. You just so started far. to play a panic. Well, yeah. Virginia Tech is very fast, so right. I feel like that could happen. Going Notre Dame. Yeah, good call. There we go. I have no idea. That was a bold prediction. Don't forget, you know, if you missed uh, any show ever, and I don't know why you would, but you can easily go to SoundCloud and Triple or iTunes. iTunes. You can easily go down to Zipsa 101. I think we should just call it Podcasting 101, you know? That's there you go. There you go. We're certainly at the 101 level, not the so 202 level. we are going to recap. We will be back next week. We'll yeah. talk about, uh, obviously, the men's game, the women's game. We'll look at some standings, full predictions, all that more. Next week, Sandwich Sidekick. Come on, get here. Sports Network. See ya.